3: that is, uh, it's a podcast, you know? What What, what, what do you want? That's honesty and advertising. Can't argue with that. It is it is a podcast. Um, I'm Robert Evans, your host, and uh, I, I didn't think of a, a funny introduction for this episode. So pretend I shouted atonally or screamed out the name of a dead dictator, and let's welcome our guest for the episode, Ben Bowler.
4: Um, ben. You could scream (laughs) a dictator's name. That would be most appreciated.
3: Yeah, one of the hard to pronounce ones. Yeah,
4: go for it. Oh, oh, okay.
5: Uh, wow. That's that's definitely. uh, Ooh, there are so many good ones though. Okay, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. uh, Oh,
3: Ahmadinejad. I think Ahmadinejad. You're right. There you go. There Uh, you go. See, this is why
5: you're the host, Robert.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting one, right? Because he wasn't. I don't know how you, uh, yeah, uh, characterize exactly what he was, but he's become a darling of Twitter since his time as the <laughs> as the leader of Iran, which is always as the, fun. Yeah. As the
5: air quotes leader, yeah, of Iran. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, wild stuff. Um, I do love like the. Every now and then you're like this guy who had a very different vibe, you know, when he first came to my awareness uh, via media is now like uh, a a completely different person in a lot of people's eyes because he like went after Donald Trump on Twitter. Always funny. Mm. Um, Mm. Ben, Mm. how do you feel about AI? Not the movie with Haley Joel Osment. Oh, well.
6: Oh, okay.
3: well.
5: All my notes are trash then because I thought we were talking about this. Um, Okay. I I
3: did say prepare for an episode on AI and then send you 37 pictures of Gigolo Joel. So yeah, I (laughs) get it. Thank
5: you. Thank you. I'm framing those, Robert. Uh, I'm framing those. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I, I got to give a shout out to a lot of folks, uh, ethicists working in the field, uh, who are asking about the nature of consciousness and uh, why, why the term AI is somewhat, you know, problematic, like uh, yeah. what makes an intelligence artificial, you know. Uh, but when I hear AI, if I'm most people, what I'm thinking is, ooh, I should have studied math. Numbers are scary.
3: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've been so I, I've been kind of digging into this as a new beat uh, for myself as a reporter. As we'll introduce today, like there's some uh, some some stuff I've kind of gotten sucked into here. And as I've kind of talked to more people who are um, on the technical side of things here, I'm I'm gaining both a deeper appreciation for how complex this stuff is. Um, You know, there's been um, a a lot that sort of you've got this mix of of like incredibly dense uh, academic papers uh, and kind of the the commentary of uh, people who are actually like working with the nuts and bolts of this stuff and not trying to pump up the price of, uh, you know, the the IPO valuation of their company. Right. Um, And then you've got kind of the hype cycle which is very different right the people who are are kind of talking about you know how models are actually constructed and you know what the ideal size for the models might be and like how the capabilities kind of will change as they sort of ramp up or ramp down the scale talk about like the potential of problems like model collapse and whatever versus the people who are like uh, a, an AI is going to c- take control of all the nukes. Uh, no, no, this isn't just me stealing the plot of Terminator Two um, <laughs> in order to like hype up the power of the the product my company is making. I swearzies, it's real. Um, swearzies, th- swearzies. So that's
5: how you know it's legit. That that, that is that is um, some actual uh, mm-hmm. nomenclature used in the halls of power. Swearzies. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I I, I think you can always trust when a bunch of people with a vested financial interest in making uh, their AI products seem extra powerful, uh, Mm. recite the plot of Terminator 2 to you uh, as if it's, you know, (laughs) uh, serious, serious (laughs) Mm. business. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we've kind of led into the Internet is awash right now and kind of cheap takes uh, on what AI means for the future you know on one hand you've got these kind of terminatory fears kind of the the best example of this recently was vice put out this very dumb article that was like a military ai killed its creator because it was trying to stop it from launching a missile and everyone oh, was like yeah. oh my god there's you know <laughs> we have to stop this and then it turns out well actually what happened is like a bunch of human beings were sitting around a table like kind of plotting out things that might happen if they ever built one of these. And someone was like, well, what if it did this? And like, that's all that happened. Like they were playing fancy D and D it's nothing to be scared of. Um, yeah, man, and then,
5: it's like, it's like a, a war game, like yeah. a simulation, right? Uh, it's a planning out a hypothetical. Yeah. And it is that that's, that's headline it, chicanery I'm and it,
3: it's not it's not even a simulation where like they didn't like even code you know a fake ai to like test it as a simulation they were literally just like bullshitting you know like nothing nothing was built which is not to say like I'm not concerned about the possibility of, like, AI, you know, involvement in weapons targeting and stuff and that kind of thing. Like, there's a lot to be concerned about there, but not this article. Um, And then kind of on the other end, on the positive end of the hype stuff, you've got, like, this, this growing chorus of people who are, like, certain that AI is going to save education and rescue students. Bill Gates is, like, a big kind of um he's one of the big guys like kind of pushing this idea i i found a thing recently where he was like very excitedly talking about how open ai had taught a chat bot to pass an ap test and why this might mean something good for education i'm kind of hesitant to say that i buy that um just mm. because i haven't really seen any evidence that like an ai is actually good at at teaching people stuff which is not mm-hmm. to say i haven't seen evidence that there are uses for it in education potentially. But like, I think people are getting a little bullish about this and kind of somewhere in between those two hype peaks, you know, the robots are going to nuke us all or the robots are going to replace teachers somewhere in between those two hype peaks is a story I ran across a couple weeks ago about an author who wrote 97 books in nine months using chat GPT.
5: Oh, no. Um, oh, oh, no.
3: Yeah. Oh, no. I think oh. I. Uh, oh, gosh. All right. I'm gonna guess a lot of people came across this story, and it, it's one of those things. It 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 sort of dropped in a bunch of different like places, like the I think the Post was one of them, Insider was one. Of these kind of like low quality. Um, publications or publications that have recently sunk in quality significantly um, who are who are chasing SEO shit right and it mm-hmm. it's also kind of noteworthy to me that like this story hit right as the writer strike began like the writers go on strike and then there's this story about like well this guy wrote almost a hundred books mm-hmm. in less than a year beca- using chat GPT mm-hmm. um, you know maybe we don't need all these writers now if you actually look at at this, this author quote unquote with the most quote Quotation marks around that word I can possibly add like like a whole script that's just quotes around the, the word mm-hmm. author there um, is a guy named Tim Boucher <laughs> um, and the reality if you actually look into what he did here he didn't write 97 model uh, novels using chat GPT he had an AI generate like 97 stories each about two to five thousand words um, mm-hmm. and if you don't know how novels work Generally speaking, kind of like the minimum word count before something's considered a novel is about fifty thousand words. Yeah, it's like, mm. and that's a short novel, right? You're you're, yeah. you're talking about like I don't know, old man in the sea style shit or something like that. I don't actually know how many words old man in the sea is, but like my my silly book with 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 robot horny cyborgs and stuff was one hundred and twenty thousand words. So,
5: also, it's a really good book and people should read it.
3: Thank you. That's very nice. Uh It's but,
5: not a compliment. I'm objectively saying
3: it's a good book. Well thank thank you. I, I agree with that. Because like he's not right. having it write novels. Um what he did was he he had it churn out short stories, each with dozens and dozens of illustrations in them. There's something like fifty or sixty in each story, which is also too many for a short story. <laughs> like Wait, it's
5: Robert, did he draw the pictures himself?
3: Uh, he sure did not. Um, and no. we'll, we'll talk. So like, if you look at these, uh, like I, I went to his webpage and thankfully one thing I will give Tim Boucher is it looks like he's put most of these on a personal webpage rather than dumping them all on Amazon. Um, which is what we're going to talk about in a second. But if you look at this shit, he's got like a bunch of different, uh, like one of the stories is Occupy AI, which is described as like a story about protesters fighting cops because AI takes the jobs away or something like that. Um, there's not like characters given, um, or, or any kind of like sense of a narrative arc, but the AI generated art for the cut co- of the cops, like beating up people makes them look like the bad guys in space balls. Uh, and I do appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so that's, that's, that's good. Sophie can show you the, uh, the, the space balls illustration.
5: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes.
3: Yeah. They ain't found shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So I don't, I don't have a lot of respect for Tim's story writing project, but I also don't think it's particularly harmful, right? Like, other than that, you know, this guy got a bunch of news attention. His books are presumably geared towards adults or at least young adults, and I don't really think a lot of people are going to get swept up in it. Um, but there's something, there is something sinister in the world of people using AI to generate stories. And this is where we get into like the meat of what we're actually going to be talking about this week, because I have found myself doing some journalism again. Uh, I don't do as much of that as I used to, but I kind of got, I fell down a rabbit hole over the last two weeks and I have been investigating something that I found really fucked up and scary. And, and the, the, the short of it is the robots are coming for your children. Um, if you've got kids out there, there is a shady network of influencers and con who are trying to warp your kid's brain so that they can make a quick buck off of Amazon KDP, which is called which is Kindle Direct Publishing? So that's what we're fucking talking about today, because it's actually a serious problem that people should be aware about. And I haven't seen any real reporting on this. Um, I was keyed into this story when I ran across a Reuters article like two weeks ago about a boom in AI written eBooks on Amazon, and the piece zooms in on this wannabe author named Brett Schickler. Uh, Brett is a salesman from Rochester who heard that ChatGPT could write stories, and he decided like he'd always wanted to be a writer, but he just like could never get anything down on the page. And he was like, "Well, maybe this will make it possible for me." Um, the, he 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 told Reuters, "The idea of writing a book finally seemed possible. I thought I can do this." Um, unfortunately, the book he put out is... But why uh, is that so I
4: funny? I can do it's, this by not actually doing it. It's so, sad. It's so it. sad
3: when you learn what he wrote. Because it's he the, his book is The Wise Little Squirrel, A Tale of Saving and Investing.
6: Oh, <laughs> he, it's a guide to
3: financial really? literacy um, through the eyes oh. of Sammy the Squirrel. Um, oh. And I'll, I'll say this everything we're about to talk to on this episode is much worse than the wise little squirrel, because I will give him credit for one thing. He, Mm. he Schickler's like Brett has a thing he wants to get across to people. I'm not I don't think he's done it well. I don't think this is the right way to teach kids, kids financial literacy is to have like a robot generate a story about a squirrel. So they learn how to invest, but he (laughs) actually seems to care about like, transmitting information to kids, which is, he's the only person who does. Yeah. Um, so I'll give him some credit for that. I'll also give him, give him some credit for the fact that the, the cover of his book, it doesn't look good. Like this doesn't look like a real book. I wouldn't say, um, but there's nothing like inherently off-putting or terrifying about the squirrel sure. drawing on the cover. I of don't.
5: This book. I don't know, man. I don't know, Robert Sophie. Do you find the, it uh, unsettling? Well, there's the other. There's the other animal there yeah. in the, in Which the one? There's two. Yeah. That bear. Oh, there are two. Yeah. Wait,
3: where's the other? In the tree. In the see. trees. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, well, and you know the perspective is pretty fucked on that chipmunk. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't buy it. I don't buy the perspective here. And where did AI, he, and yeah. where
4: did they get that acorn? We don't know.
3: The acorn's massive.
4: The acorn is where, bigger than the bear?
3: <laughs> the, well, the, well, that's just because the bear's further away, but the acorn mm. is at least the, the same size as the squirrel's torso. Um mm. Yeah. which i think might be you know maybe maybe the subtext here is that the acorn is inherited wealth and uh and the squirrel oh. you know it's to mm. yeah uh, represent you know whereas whereas the uh, the squirrel in the tree uh behind him kind of represents uh the like uh, the, the working middle class. class yeah 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 uh-huh. um we, who has no acorn right because mm-hmm. the uh the inherited wealth of our of our Anyway, whatever, I don't know, why am I, why am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> so <laughs> You nailed it, you nailed yeah, it man. Brett's, Brett's book, which is available paperback only, that's another thing I'll give him credit for because the stuff that's actually really grifty is all being done on Kindle, is currently at about 30,000, number 30,000 in literature and fiction for children. One thing that does show is that like, that sounds really low, that's not terrible, right? Like given the number of books that are on Amazon, it's not like a, a runaway success, I think that this is like probably because there was a bunch of news stories around this, right because it was it's kind of the first uh, AI children's book to go viral. Um, it's not again any good, but uh, I don't I don't see a, the harm but like what we're about to be talking about is like a bunch of people who've done this in a much more harmful uh, direction. So this story kind of got me looking into what other people were writing AI children's books. Um, and part of why I, I thought thought to do this was late last year, I, I watched uh, a documentary on the Folding Ideas YouTube channel. If you're not aware of that, Folding Ideas is a channel run by a researcher and a writer named Dan Olson, uh, who I admire quite a lot. Um, he's the guy who did that line-go-up documentary on NFTs that helped cause the NFT crash. Uh, he's very good at what he does. And late last year, he he published an investigation into a group of Amazon con artists who, like, charge several thousand dollars so that they can teach people how to mass-produce low-quality books uh, to have both read by voice actors for, like, Audible books and to sell on Kindle through KDP, which is, again, Kindle Direct Publishing. And it's one of those things where, like, They're promising – they have all these lurid stories about like you can make tens of thousands of dollars in a few weeks. This is – they really brag – they're called the Mickelson twins, the particular folks he's investigating. And they brag a lot about like how little effort it takes to do this. You have to do very – almost no work whatsoever. Um, And it's one of those – like they're basically just having people look through to see what's selling on Amazon, create topics – and then hire some uh, ghostwriter pay him a couple hundred bucks to write a full book in 2 weeks 3 weeks something like that and then find a voice actor and and put it up and these these books like they're they're nonsense in a lot of cases. Like um, he was uh, I think the book that Dan put together is kind of like a thought exercise was about using self hypnosis to deal with epilepsy or something. Um, so yeah. a lot of really irresponsible topics, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but the topics, you know, what matters is not like what you're actually trying to get out. It matters that like what you're you're having these ghostwriters write include keywords that correspond to popular searches on Amazon right it's an SEO scam i and read so,
5: about this i read about this because yeah. um because uh, robert the immediate question is why are these guys now selling this trick right this uh, grift that they have exhausted right? Uh, like, the, why did they move to the next grift? It's very, it's it's very interesting, you know? I I wonder if their next thing's gonna be self-help books.
3: Yeah, I, I think that, like, there, there's a, there were already some sort of in that topic that they're putting out. I think mostly what it is, is that, like, you can make money doing this. Your goal, basically, is to trick people looking for real books on similar mm-hmm. subjects into buying your books because it's kind of hard to tell on Kindle, and they may, you know, if you just are putting enough stuff out there, the sheer number of people searching means that you'll make, you know, sales. And if, you know, it, you don't, if it doesn't take that much work, you know, if you get a couple hundred sales, it can be worth it. Um, this is not an easy path, like actually an easy path to making a lot of money, which is why the real business is in conning the people who think that they'll make money off of this and getting them to pay you several thousand dollars to teach them all this crap. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, in his video, calls these people Contrapreneurs which is is a clever bit of wordplay. Oh, but I, yeah. I do think the term actually kind of misses something important. Because What's the con, missing? well, the mm-hmm. con is Dan is talking about. The con that he is he is t- unraveling is that, like, this is not actually a great business. It's hard for people to really make money. They are lying to folks about how profitable this is so that they can take their money. And that is that is true. That is a con. But there's an actual outside harm aside from this con because, like, the people they're conning are not just passive rubes. They're trying to like unethically make a quick buck. So to some extent, I'm like, I'm not, I don't have a huge problem with who they're conning necessarily. But what I do have a real issue with is that the byproduct of the cons they're running is that the largest bookstore on the planet gets filled with thousands and thousands and thousands of nonsense titles that aren't real books that Mm. can spread disinformation that can just cause people to waste money Um, that can like, like, there's a lot of issue. It makes it harder to like find stuff that you're looking for. That's of quality, you know, on various topics. I've had to deal with this a few times with bastards where I'm looking for books on niche subjects and I find something that seems to be about it, but it turns out it's like one of these like crap books. It's like someone's at best paraphrased a Wikipedia entry or something.
5: Is it, is it that prolific though? Like what? what Thousands and
3: thousands of
5: times? Really?
3: I, I, I. I have I have actually reached out to Amazon for con- uh, for comment on like how many AI titles they have in their library and how they like the degree to which or whether or not they do anything to attempt to like figure out which titles are AI or not like I, I have a, I've asked them a couple of questions on that about like their plagiarism filters and stuff. I haven't heard back yet. Hmm. Um but and and if I do I'll update this I'll I'll record an update for you. Well
5: they, surely they, they anyway. can just uh they can just create a large language model that will respond to your insightful questions in novel form,
3: yeah, that would at least be a response. So far, I haven't gotten anything from them because I think they're they're following the Elon Musk route of just ignoring any questions from media because there's there's a lot of money. <laughs> they make money anytime people upload the shit and any anytime it sells. So, like mm. they don't have a problem with con men putting fake books up on the site. Um, and it's one of those things, again, when I, when I watched this video by Dan, I was like, well, this is an interesting con. I think what's happening here is kind of unsettling. And then, you know, the late, like the AI explosion happened, right? And suddenly... This con gets supercharged because the main barrier to entry and, and barrier to production and profitability and the old way of doing things is the ghostwriting. You know, these mm. people, the original version of this con, you're hiring a human being to ghostwrite a fake book for you, basically, right? And a human being can only write 50,000 ish words so fast, even if all they're doing is like paraphrasing a bunch of like Wikipedia and news articles, right? Like there's a degree, oh, there's a, a hard limitation on how many of these can get written. And it's going to cost money because people, even people who will do this very cheaply, won't do it for nothing. Um, whereas ChatGPT and other large language models will write thousands of words for you for effectively nothing. So as soon as I kind of read this story about this, uh, this children's book and and thought back to Dan's video, I was like, oh shit, I bet this is causing I bet this is causing like a massive surge in crap getting posted onto Amazon Kindle. Um and it's unfortunately like more unsettling than I had initially thought because with this early scam, with like the, you know, these, these, these ghostwriting scams, the <laughs> books tend to be like, aimed towards adults, right? You're trying to get adults who might be, like, might be looking for a topic or something to buy your book. But right, yeah. it's hard to get Chat GPT to write a whole proper nonfiction book. Like getting it to write a 50,000-ish word book is almost impossible unless you do a bunch of like really messy sort of like um, prompt tricks, mm-hmm. um, which is why all of Tim Boucher's books were a couple of thousand words long. But children's books are a very ah. different story because children's oh. books, if you, like, have gone through books for little kids, for toddlers or whatever, mm-hmm. they're heavy on illustrations. There's an illustration every page. And there's right. often just a couple of sentences or a paragraph of text per page, which is exactly the kind of length that ChatGPT and other LLMs are perfectly capable of reproducing, right? Um so oh, as soon as, the places you'll go! Exactly, exactly. Um, and the, the places you're going to go are like directly into the recursive loop of of slop feeding through you know an LLM, um, which is what the investigation we're talking about is this week. Because as soon as I start type, I started typing in like a how to write AI children's books and shit. My YouTube search revealed video after video with titles like Easy AI Money: Make a Hundred K Writing Children's Books with chat GPT and MidJourney. And easy, Mm. passive income with ChatGPT and MidJourney creating children's (laughs) books. Now, I watched way too many of these fucking videos uh, all Mm. of which lay out the same basic strategy the first step is to pick a prompt Uh, an actual author might decide for example I want to teach children about the importance of conservation with a cautionary tale about the thoughtless capitalization of natural resources right you know that's the Lorax Uh, or one of my favorite books as a kid you know I want to write a book about a bat raised by birds that kind of shows kids that bats are beautiful and complex creatures and not just spooky set dressings for vampire stories that's Stella Luna right those are you know examples of things human beings might try to transmit to children through, like, actual human-created children's books. But chatbots and grindset influencers are both incapable of feeling things or of wanting to transmit their feelings to others, right? Like, you've got people who are effectively soulless using a robot that is effectively soulless uh, (laughs) in order to try and transmit messages to children, and that gets dark pretty quickly, Ben. Um, Mm. But you know what's not dark? Oh, is it is it goods and services? Yeah, the products and services that support this podcast. I don't know if you're aware of this, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them are. You know, we 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 have one. We take one promise from our our advertisers: don't be evil. <laughs> dot dot dot. Unless it makes a lot of money.
4: <laughs> Here are ads. Unless yeah. you have Cooler Zone Media, our ad free subscription channel mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts. Yeah.
3: Which is the most ethical way to consume this? You know, uh, I mean, it is true that every time you get a Cooler Zone media uh, subscription, um, Raytheon fires uh, a Maverick missile um, at a at a school bus uh, in a foreign country. But we are mm. we are working to fix that.
4: Yeah, uh, that is uh, that's not gl- an intent. I, that, yeah, that's a glitch.
5: Yeah, I heard I heard that uh, every time someone subscribes to. Uh, to coolzo Media, they get a um, they get a little coupon, and if we get enough coupons, uh, we can we can finally subtract a day from Henry Kissinger's life. I don't yeah. know which day. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I don't
5: know if it's the last one or <laughs> hopefully if it's like,
3: one of the days he ordered bombings in Cambodia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> un- time, unclear. It's going to take all out. of us. Yeah, yeah we yeah. got to subscribe. Yeah, so get enough subscriptions, and together we can kill Henry Kissinger. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online.
1: and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah,
3: we're back. So... The process, Ben, of picking a topic for an AI kids book is mechanical Ooh. and bleak. It starts with a trip to the Amazon sales rankings. Uh, people use extensions like Book Bolt, which show which topics are selling well. Um, and it's it's kind of a mix of the the videos that I found pointed out that like you want stuff that's reasonably high up on the lists and has a good number of reviews, but you also don't want it to have too many reviews. The most Ooh. successful AI kids books will only sell like dozens or maybe a hundred or so copies um oh. and so they kind of like a lot of the people making these videos will disguise that by showing you like sales calculation apps where they plug in books by actual human beings to like be like you can make 32 thousand dollars a month you know just like this guy who wrote this you know storybook or whatever that's uh a bestseller did um which you're not gonna like actually do if you're really doing this for a business but Um, one of the, the, the creators that I, I watched kind of put together these, one of these guys is called the Zinni Studio. Um, they advocate, uh, copying the premises of real kids books that have several hundred reviews, but less than a thousand. They've like worked this out to a science where like, if there's more than a thousand reviews, you're going to get lost in the mix, right? It's, it's the stories are too big. So like whatever you put out isn't going to. Uh, breakthrough. But if they've got a couple of hundred reviews, that's enough that like you know there's a lot of interest. But also you have a good chance that while your book's new, if you can get a couple of early sales, you can you can juke it up the spots. Um, there's also a strategy for price points. They they note that like Amazon pays 70% in royalties if your book's 299 to 999, but if it's cheaper than that, they only pay out like half as much. So we are in the wrong book. business. Yeah. <laughs> we are in the wrong
5: business. I cannot wait to read uh cuz this is this is like a dark side of uh cyborg philosophy, right? Yeah. Right? So like uh, w- uh Robert, Sophie, let's get on the SEO. Let's find uh let's find a topic and let's have our Evil Pandora Jin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, write write us a little old man in the sea and just Mad Lib whatever uh, whatever the the narrative is. Right. Uh, I mean, I,
3: I think the real answer, Ben, because you and I both have hundreds of hours of our podcast. You know, there's ridiculous history and behind the bastards and everything else we've been on uh, recorded. We feed all that into an AI and then just like look at what's trending on Twitter. And then we uh, we have an A.I. generate like six hours of you and me talking about uh, how masks don't work or something like that. Just like (laughs) crap that stuff onto the Internet. Whatever Joe Rogan talks about that week, we'll just generate an A.I. conversation between us about it. Um, You know, toss in like 15 percent Elon Musk and uh, then we retire.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, what I also love about this, first off. Is the sincerity, and mm-hmm. second off is the idea that nothing could go wrong mm-hmm. at all.
3: No, um, it it won't. Like I, I don't know. I feel like. As long as you know, we need one human being in there to keep a handle on things. So it can just be like an AI version of you and an AI version of me, mm-hmm. and then human Sophie sitting there and like trying, trying to, yeah. trying to control the robot conversation uh, as we yeah, start yeah, giving yeah. out like
4: the sounds ingredients like for gel an ignite. Easier job.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: so, yeah. so, well, it, so uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Sophie, it sounds like you're cool with that, right? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, no, I could never replace Robert with a robot.
3: Uh yeah, you could. I mean,
5: it
4: would, well, it it would be a be rob robot. I, you we know, they've a... got
3: that like uh, that AI Seinfeld where it's just like a never-ending mediocre <laughs> Seinfeld episode. We, yeah. could, we could we could s- slip Sophie in that too. Make you mm-hmm. uh, make you moderate AI brainless <laughs> Seinfeld.
5: <laughs> so, so
3: why? This would be- <laughs>
5: Well, because, you know, we're keeping things interesting, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the problem is that Behind the Bastards is an important uh, and profound, at times, show. No, I'm kidding. Sometimes. Uh, Once or twice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. The problem is that Behind the Bastards is an important show, uh, so it might be too high on our SEO. We need to get some kind of spinoff thing that appears to be irrelevant but works on a search term mm-hmm. that is that is kicking it for Jeff Bezos, right? And yeah. then and then we just crap out hours of that. Um obviously this is behind the scenes, right? This this is not going out live,
3: right? Yeah, I, I think we call it the passive income diet hack cast with Robert Evans and Ben Bolin. That's that, that's our, that's our path to $67 million.
5: I love, I love how it's so, uh, so brief and so snappy, you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. a lot of immediacy. Uh, Take that Hemingway.
3: Yeah, stick pat. Yeah, exactly. For sh- <laughs> uh, for sale oh, Zimbic <laughs> never uh drop shipped. I don't know. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's most of what you need Horrible. in there, right? We we um, got them freestyle, do no, I mm-hmm. like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. So uh, yeah, you, you, th- this is kind of it's, the the process of like making these books start. You use like these these different extensions to kind of see what's selling, figure out a premise for yourself, and and some creators will take this research and they'll like try to make an original premise for a children's book to feed into the AI. But most of them suggest just collecting like they're not even doing that for the most part. Most of these people suggest collecting keywords by like whatever's popular, and then plugging those keywords into ChatGPT and asking it to generate a story premise which they then feed back to it to have it generate a story, thus avoiding the risk that human creativity might happen at any point in this process. <laughs> the um, messy
5: prompts you were talking about. the yeah. the it, It's sort of arcane, right? Uh, yeah. Writing prompt is a bit like casting a spell. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah, casting a spell or a math equation. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I, I want to play you a clip from this guide by the Zenny Studio, which had about 268k views when I, I, I watched it, kind of uh, cautioning, uh, attempting to make it seem a little bit less soulless than the process actually is. Sophie, uh, you can play that now.
6: If you're not doing research to find you know books to copy. You're doing research to understand what is working. It's important to make your own original pieces
3: original um storybook so you could stand out from your competition okay now, so you could see that yes so, is- she says that right that you, it, it's yeah. you're not doing this to like copy people you know you're trying to fa- find ideas for original work here's the actual prompt that she uses to generate her children's book Write me a children's story about a girl going on an adventure to find a missing treasure. Lesson, you achieve what you put your mind on. Make it six pages and title each page. Make is mind-blowing and intriguing. Um, I'm trying not to go too hard on the misspellings, but it does show you how lazy you can be with these. Like, that's not a story idea. Like going no. on an adventure. What kind of adventure? Finding a mission? What what kind of treasure? How does she like the lesson you achieve what you put your mind on? Like, that that's You're- that's like
5: that's a producer that's yeah. a producer walking in and saying uh you know do do a thing with this yeah. sort of vibe and and i love that i love that Shyamalan at the end robert make it mind-blowing
3: yeah mind-blowing you know I mean? yeah and it's it's very funny because like it is all of these ai people are the same as like um the worst folks in hollywood Right, you know, there's good producers and bad producers, uh, and nothing gets made without the the producers who do know what they're doing. Um, But there's a lot of folks who are like a lot of corporate folks. You know, I'm thinking about like David Zaslav and shit here, um, who are like. Yeah, I'm the idea. Why do we need writers? I already had the idea. You know, write me a write me a story about a about a guy who's angry. Um, you guys see, heard I, about I Mad Max? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
5: you guys heard about sharks? What it? What like? Um, so uh, I I saw a thing on Instagram about tornadoes. Uh, so what if we what if we just do that?
3: Yeah. Yeah, give me a tornado thing with Bill Paxton. You know that's the that's the hard work. I already did it. You know, some some somebody can crap out the script anytime. The intro just goes,
4: um, "Call me Ishmael." That's, yeah. that's an original idea.
3: Yeah, there you go. Um, so I want to actually like read you the uh, uh, the story that, or at least a chunk of the story that gets generated by this 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 prompt. I would it, love it again. Yes. People are flipping out so much about like the quality of writing that. The these things are capable of. And like, I think what you're all going to learn is that like, this isn't writing what it puts out. So page one, the Mm. missing treasure. Once upon a time, there was a brave and curious girl named Sarah. She lived in a small village at the foot of a big mountain. One day she heard about a missing treasure that was hidden in the mountain a long time ago. Sarah was very intrigued and decided to go on an adventure to find the missing treasure. So you see the, you see like first I'm taking a break here. Like, she the prompt said like make it intriguing and what the robot did was like well I'll just say that Sarah's intrigued that means mm-hmm. that it's an intriguing story now because I've used that word um, we we also see um, we also
5: see repetition of phrases right oh
3: yeah yeah it's it's very clear that it's like a mechanical Turk you know mm. uh, page two the journey begins Sarah packed her backpack with food water and a map and set out on her journey she hiked up the mountain and along the way she met many animals who offered to help her. But Sarah declined their help, saying, I want to do this on my own. Why, why are there animals offering her to help? Like, why, and what, why does, what, what kind why of does animals? She, what, is she, what is it that she wants to do on her own? Like, Why is this important to her? Um, I would say it's intriguing. Yeah, yeah it, I'm intrigued by how <laughs> incomplete this story is. Page three, the Cave of Trials. After several days of hiking, Sarah finally reached the top of the mountain. There she found a cave that led deep into the mountain. She entered the cave and was met with many trials, including steep cliffs, deep chasms, and dark tunnels. But Sarah didn't give up. She kept moving forward, always remembering the lesson she learned from her parents. You can achieve what you put your mind to. Oh, now in, her parents are characters in this? Yeah, her parent. well, not even really characters. Like, she's not a character. It, it's, you know, you, you can see what it's doing here, right? It's a mm. simulacrum of a plot, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. you've got, like, well, I know that plots have to have a conflict, you know, and characters in a story are supposed to have trials. So I will just say, she went through trials. She didn't give up because her parents said, you can achieve what you put your mind to. Like, and that's what the story views as, like, transmitting a lesson to kids Mm. right is just Mm -hmm. like saying the lesson in there which like that's not if you think about children's books like good children's books the books that like you can still remember as a kid um Mm. that's not how they get messages across right like it's deeper than that kids are actually not just capable of understanding like much more complicated messages than like You can achieve what you put your mind to. They they crave that, which is why I mean, part of why shit like Doctor Seuss's books, you know, still sell a century or whatever after he fuck close to a century after he fucking wrote them. And he's kind of a piece of shit. Good books. Good like books, like what? Who? The you, guy himself. Wh- wh- what author isn't? Um, it's why, like, <laughs> The Hobbits, you know, successful and shit. Like, it, you, you don't just have Bilbo being like, "I learned that you can always trust in the power of friendship." No, you you show you know the character like evolving and changing and entering conflicts and and failing and then learning lessons and then succeeding. Like, this is not super complex stuff. You're not like writing fucking Ulysses just because you put this in here but the mm. the chatbot like is incapable of kind of understanding this because it's 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 a a, a calculation it's an algorithm right it's an al- mm-hmm. it, it is not it can't want to tell a story and like a critical part of of telling a story is the intent you know um mm. and and you know kind of uh spoiler that's what's most unsettling about all of this to me and and what we're kind of building to but you can see you know kind of how how these, how this story, you know, technically meets the requirements uh, that the Zinni uh, Studio or whoever like set out for it, and mm-hmm. none of these grind set people actually care about anything beyond the fact that like it might be able to pass muster on Kindle, so like it's good enough, right? We'll what, we'll go for it. We'll take this script and turn it into a book for little kids.
5: Right, right, right. Uh, what, mm-hmm. But what first question? Like, what do you think, Joseph Campbell? Would think of this because it's clearly like again, it's a structural, uh, aggregate approach. It's a very lazy mad lib that, uh, you know, there's the uncanny valley to it. I agree with you there. Uh, it it does feel that it's missing uh, a soul. Right? We don't even yeah. know the animals. We don't even know the parents. Like wait wait.
3: I, I think he'd probably be kind of interested in the fact that sort of the um, again, it's kind of the simulacrum of a story. It's not an mm. actual story. um, it it understands some aspects of the shape of a story and it attempts to to reproduce that, but without any kind of understanding of what the original is. So I suspect there's a degree to which he would find it intellectually fascinating. I think he would probably be buying a gun right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think towards the open AI offices. (laughs)
5: He would be by He would be buying a gun,
3: and mm-hmm. he would like
5: DM Chekhov and say, yeah. "It's happening, but
3: yeah, let's get the fuck down there." So I found an even lazier example of synthetic storytelling in a oh. video by a guy named Christian Heidorn, uh, which has about 120,000 views. His YouTube channel is called Tokenized AI, and he had a mid he had Midjourney create what he calls a comic book. And boy, I am using that the those words as fucking. Uh, it's not a comic book, right? He's he's lying about what this is. It's a a a, a book with illustrations and barely any text, but it's mm. not like anyway. It's not actually a comic book, um, and he he plugs in the uh, the plot for this. He he gets chat GPT to create a plot for him um, by kind of plugging in an equation for story ideas that reads like the brain of a Netflix executive. And I want to read you this equation because I find it really interesting. And Sophie will show you it because it is, it's physically laid out like a math equation almost. Story. Please come up with a short story based on, in brackets, theme that uses elements that are typical for, in brackets, genre stories. Provide me with a three to four sentence summary and store it in plot. And again, like you kind of plug in a theme, I want the uh, theme to be an adventure, you know, or I uh, want the theme to be like, you know, uh, uh yeah, an adventure story in in, you know, sure. uh, the horror genre or whatever. Uh-huh. Um something like that and provide me with a yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of the way the equation looks. And Christian decides he wants a comic book that has kind of like Indiana Jones uncharted style art vibes uh okay. about like a man and a woman who meet up by coincidence and go on an adventure in, like, a dungeon to get a treasure, right? Okay. Um, and it's one of those things. I say the artwork has the vibes of, like, Indiana Jones or Uncharted because the vibes are purely a product of the actual art itself. There's no actual plot in the story that ChatGPT generates for him, and he has, it, he has, he has the, the robot break down a story page to page, but it's, it's not a story. Uh, scene one, in a bustling Southeast Asian market, Maya and Leo accidentally bump into each other while following the same ancient map. Dialogue, Maya, hey, watch where you're going. Leo, that's my line. What? what? That doesn't, that's not like, that. that's nonsense. Like, it's one of those, like, why is that his line? He's never, we've never met these characters before. We haven't heard him say that to anyone else. Like, why would, why would that be the response that he would make? to her like you Ooh. know again and this is because he he's like, like that's the setup that's the background for these characters you get scene 2 and again okay. this is like the second page of the story Maya and Leo reluctantly agree to work together deciphering the map's cryptic riddles dialogue Maya fine but we split the treasure Leo deal scene 3 Journeying through the dense jungle, the duo encounters a treacherous river crossing, (laughs) testing their teamwork skills. Dialogue: Maya, we'll need to build a raft. Leo, on it. (laughs) Uh, Oh, good, good. (laughs) Yeah, classic Leo. (laughs) Yeah, classic Leo. That's the Leo I know. Always (laughs) raft building. (laughs) <laughs> scene four the pair solves a puzzle in a hidden temple revealing the entrance to the treasure chamber dialogue maya we did it leo leo together we're unstoppable oh, scene boy. five inside the chamber maya and leo find the treasure but also face a choice greed or friendship dialogue maya we could just take it all leo but at what cost <laughs> and this is in the video the video is like i want him to have to like choose between greed and friendship which like they, they like that they don't act, like it's just an artificial choice. There's no like, you know. Again, if you're doing like even a slightly more effortful version of this, do an Indiana Jones thing. You know, they pull mm-hmm. the treasure, but the the room starts to collapse, and like Maya's, you know, able to get across a chasm with the bag mm-hmm. of treasure, but she, you know, she can't help. Like Leo falls and he's like hanging by a thread, and she has to either take the treasure and run or drop the treasure and save him. You know, like mm-hmm. something like that's that's a I'm not that's not like. Again, it's not like high art, but that's a conflict, right? There's the maybe potential tension there. But, the yeah. Last Crusade was great. Yeah, if you're going to steal from Indiana Jones, do it well, right? Like, again, there's a whole like, fucking Uncharted and shit started as doing that. Like, that worked out fine for everybody. Like, mm. it, 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 but, but it has to be a story, you know? We mm. will forgive a lot of derivative shit. The you know, think about Star Wars, right? Star Wars if you actually look at the stuff that Lucas was pulling from is actually pretty derivative of a lot of different things that inspired him as a kid, of a lot of different like uh, movies and and, and shows mm-hmm. and comic books that he had read as a young man. Um, and it's fine because it's, it's a, it's a fucking rollicking good story, you know, but like, mm-hmm. this is not a story. This is like it, 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 the, the AI is checking every box, but it doesn't understand what the boxes are. So there's not, that's the, it. That's the, the quote. You nailed yeah. it. There's no none of the characters want anything really. There's no reason for them to be doing this. We know nothing about their lives. They're not like people. Um which again, this is like a little kids storybook, so I think the the idea that these people have is that like well kids don't notice that cuz they're dumb. And it's like, yes they do. Like yeah, they that do. is that's 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 why like fucking Pixar movies are the were the biggest thing for kids for a while. Those are not yeah. like nonsense stories those they're, 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 those all feel like the fucking incredibles or whatever they're, Or they're not this is not pixar but like one of the most beloved children's movies of all time i saw it when i was like a little bitty kid the fucking iron giant and shit or, or the brave little toaster you sure. know those are stories with like sorrow and character and motivation um and like things are set up and paid off none of which the ai appears to be capable of doing um yeah
5: you know what this yeah. reminds me of, Robert? Huh. Are you familiar with the book Plato? No. Okay, so back in the days of the humans, uh, mm-hmm. can I say that that way? Now, yeah, yeah. Back yeah.
3: before the robots destroyed mm-hmm. us all, sure.
5: <laughs> yeah, in the days, in the days of the humans, there was a guy named William Wallace Cook who wrote a book called Plato with two T's, and he was a uh, he w- he was like a Old school hack, pulp, uh-huh. pulp novelist, paid by the word, etc., mm-hmm. or paid by the letter. I don't know how the math works out. Uh, he tried to structurally calculate to quantify the amount of possible stories, and he said there are exactly one thousand four hundred and sixty-two possible plots. And night, yeah, right, right. You like the specificity, right? Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Nineteen twenty-eight. He publishes his great epiphany in a book called Plato, the master book of all plots. And I am frankly baffled uh, that the the new, you know, the new algorithmic overlords are forgetting their history. Yeah. Because feed of, Plato in
3: the chat, GPT. Let's do
5: it. <laughs> let's you know what? Let's <laughs> yeah. light the tires. Uh, light the fires. Yeah. Kick the tires.
3: Yeah, I just want to generate fourteen hundred and sixty-two novels, uh, and then and then we're done with books. <laughs> you know, people said that when James Joyce put out Ulysses, this is the end of literature. Uh, but we can actually make it so. You know, AI can uh, we can, and we can have Maya and Leo star in all of them. You know, they'll, they'll they can do it. Um, I want to play you a clip from this fucking video, making this dog shit not a comic book. Uh, so so Sophie's going to do that now need a third image, though, because we need to convey the fact that they've bumped into each other. In this prompt, you'll notice that I start with the style, but then I immediately set the scene first. Only then I add the characters and finally end with the activities. As I said, you will need to experiment with what works best for you. I've also changed the aspect ratio because I'm creating a wider image panel. Okay, so this completes our first scene. Whether you use just one or multiple images... you see what he's, he's going into all this, like, we're trying to set the scene where these two characters bump into each other and you have to be very, you want, you want to structure it this way so that the AI knows and it, it, it generates you an actual proper, you know, image of this action happening. And like the picture we get is this very vague, generic looking bizarre type, uh, background. Mm. And then our two characters, both staring directly at the viewer on frame, they have not bumped into each other. They don't, they aren't interacting. They don't seem aware of each other. It is not an illustration of what he asked it to write, but it's good enough. Like fuck it, yeah. you know? Like It's, it's Uncharted. Yeah, it's uncharted-y you know, it's for kids. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty good. So I want to we're, we're going to get more into this, but you know, you know what also reminds me a lot of the Uncharted video games is the Uncharted deals that um our sponsors are throwing down. And there's so many rewards to discover, rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is end with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too.
3: Uh, so looking at a bunch of these stories in a row kind of pulls the curtain aside on AI storytelling. A lot of the dialogue it generates is, is pretty nonsensical. Um, and yeah, I, I can, I keep going back to that like bit in scene one where she's like, Hey, you bumped into me. And he's like, that's my line. Yeah. It makes no sense, and I my kind my own. The only thing I can think is that at some point, an actual human wrote a story, or probably a few people, a number of people did, where a character used that line as a retort, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. ChatGPT's calculating algorithm or whatever was like, "This is an appropriate response. Plug it in," even though it makes no sense, because mm-hmm. um, that's kind yeah. of the way these things work.
5: Yeah. Also, also, they both have one ancient map and yeah. we're not you. T- like, why
3: where do they get it yeah
5: <laughs> right and, and is it is it the same map You know, like like the do they have copies of this? Who
3: made it? What is the ruins therein? Again, you know, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, sets this up very eloquently by have having River Phoenix go on a Boy Scout adventure and (laughs) then come home uh, having nearly been murdered uh, and find out that his dad doesn't give a shit because he's too busy like working out. You know his his notebook that has all the clues for the movie that we're about to watch. Perfect, elegant, actual storytelling. Uh good shit. Man oh, that movie man.
5: rules. <laughs> so wait, so the the question that a lot yeah. of us listening uh today are going to have is it, it feels like we're talking a little bit um about something profound, which is uh you mentioned Ulysses earlier, uh Ulysses triggered uh such a awesome conversation in us Mm -hmm. courts right over the nature of obscenity right i don't know what it is but i know it when i see it right uh so what like this does feel like there's something we don't know what it is but we know when it's missing to a to a human
3: story I think what's missing, I keep bringing up the term simulacrum and like a a simulacrum is a great example of like the kind of classic example is if you like open up your a word app type thing up at somewhere, probably in the top left hand corner, that's where it is on mine. You will see the image that means you click to save your document, right? Mm -hmm. And you and I and Sophie are all old enough that we know that that image is a floppy disk, right? Like, that's the image. But, like, those don't exist anymore. People don't use floppies anymore. Huge numbers of the people who click on that every day to save their documents never lived in a world where, like, they, they touched a floppy disk. So the original thing like is no longer around right like it's a simulacrum mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. the the kind of what, whatever kind of original meaning that it had has been replaced by something else and like what we have here is like the simulacrum of a story you've got these ingredients of story structure these ingredients of pieces of pop culture but there's no there's nothing that's actually trying to be transmitted nobody had like because there's not a person behind this for one mm. thing. And there's not an understanding of what it takes to make a story. So it it can kind of look like a story. It can certainly trick the like these AI grindset people think it's close enough. But what's happening here that's really fucked up is that they are taking this thing that is not a story and they are their goal is to trick overworked parents into buying this for children who will mm. read it and be too young to elucidate why something seems to be wrong with their new book. And that's actually very frightening, right? Like yes. there's there's so, we're gonna talk about learning in a little bit and how kids learn and how they don't learn. But like fundamentally, kids are little information vacuums, and this stuff is wrong on a fundamental level. And they'll get that. They may not get it why, but it it it's it not only is it kind of like off-putting to them, but it has the potential to do harm to them. Mm. Um and, and this is you know, we've had versions of this. There's this thing called Elsa Gate, right? Where like a year or two ago there were suddenly all of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like what appeared to be AI generated videos that were like involving Disney characters, Elsa being a big one from I think Frozen. Um, and they were they were like singing Rewind. songs and doing all what so- are
4: you calling this character?
3: Elsa, right? Elsa. Elsa Yeah, Elsa. No, you said Elsa. Yeah, I said Elsa. Right? Didn't I? Whatever. Um, okay. Oh, so, whatever. <laughs> so you you've and, and uh, like a lot of them would suddenly get like really weirdly sexual or like fucking get tweaked and in, in, into this kind of like uncanny, unsettling, almost like Lovecraftian weirdness. And they were I just, remember like,
5: this. Yeah. yeah.
3: And these were they were all crafted and used kind of the keywords that like when parents you know, you're, you're busy. You got to cook dinner. You got to like do, you know, clean the house or some shit. Your, your kid won't calm down. You, you put them in front of YouTube and you put on a children's video and the algorithm eventually starts spinning. And so parents start realizing like, well, I set them on, you know, this video that was like a frozen song. And now there's like this weird pornographic thing that they're watching. Like, where the fuck did this come from? It weaponized autoplay. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't think there's still a solid understanding of where all these came from. There's a couple of different theories. Um, But it's really unsettling because part of the problem is like, what does it do to kids to have that kind of shit in front of their eyes? Mm -hmm. Like, because we're not even talking about like the danger of like, what if a kid reads an adult book or, you know, stumbles in when there's porn on the TV? You know, Mm -hmm. this is a question of like, well, this is like frightening nonsense uh, that... Like is being fed into them automatically, like at a at a scale that was like hundreds of these videos. T- one of the channels for this was like one of the twenty biggest channels on. Y- this is fucked up, really problematic shit. Um, and this is people like what these grind set people are doing by pumping as many of these AI books into Kindle as they can, is they are creating the um they're creating the 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 hard copy the the physical book version of this where and, parents are going to get tricked into buying this shit and kids are going to be sat down in front of this.
5: And and technology always outpaces legislation. Yeah. Uh what what you're describing, man, it sounds like this is a uh very very bad wild west situation. Uh it's yeah. it's a, a Cormac McCarthy level wild yeah. west situation. Uh like the, the so there is no um is there is there blowback? I mean, children are some of the most frighteningly intelligent things. Kids yeah. know bullshit. Uh that's that's super uncomfortable. There's you know, this reminds me of um one of my favorite lines from uh the television show community. This Robert, I pause it to you, Sophie. I pause it to you, uh fellow behind the bastards folks. Uh this shit is both silly and evil like a candy cigarette
3: yeah yeah exactly it is it's like the candy cigarette of literature right (laughs) yeah um and it's one of those like one of the things i found interesting so when you i again watching a bunch of these videos you become aware of like what the problems for these ai hustlers are like what the things they have to overcome is and one of the problems they face is that like every single book generated by the ais they're using uh, sets off plagiarism detectors, right? And like mm. Amazon uses, I think Amazon uses, I believe they use a plagiarism detector. I've, I've asked them for specifics on this. Again, I haven't heard back. Um, but so one of the first things they'll do is they'll use something like Grammarly to like run the text that they've got through a plagiarism detector and it will inevitably tell them significant plagiarism found. But there's, <laughs> a, there's a solution. They've got a, a way to solve for this, which is a, an app called Quillbot. Now, if you go online and look up Quillbot, it's built by its creators as an online paraphrasing tool. So what Quillbot does is you feed it text, and it goes through that text... And it replaces adjectives and verbs in the text uh, with synonyms. So, you know, if the original text has the word courageous, it'll replace it with brave. Or if it's got the word resided, it'll replace it with lived. Stuff like that. So you feed this Franken text that you got from the AI into Quillbot. And then Quillbot does kind of a find and replace with a handful of the words in there. And then suddenly you've got something that won't trigger Amazon's plagiarism sensors and that you didn't have to actually edit yourself right you don't you still don't have to do any real work here. You just let another robot mix it up a little bit more um, yeah. Now, once you've got kind of passable text, the next step for these grifters is to create image prompts for all of the illustrations in the book. And again, there's not room for creativity here or for any kind of like human influence. For each page, they just ask ChatGPT to generate descriptions of the images needed for that text. And then they feed that text into MidJourney or Leonardo, which is another AI image generator, and use it to produce something like this. And this is from another one of these, uh, uh, this is kind of like one of the better cases scenario looking illustrations Um, and it's from like one of these fucking AI uh, book guides that I found on YouTube Mm. Um, and it's you know it's not remarkable right like it's I'll read you the text this is from chapter one setting off on an adventure this is the whole chapter Once upon a time, there was a young girl named Sarah who lived in a small village surrounded by rolling hills and lush forests. Sarah was an adventurous spirit and loved to explore the great outdoors. One day she heard a rumor that a long lost treasure was hidden somewhere in the hills. (laughs) The treasure was said to be a great wealth of gold and precious gems and whoever found it would be incredibly rich. Sarah was determined to find the treasure and put all her focus on the task at hand. Because the message here is that you you need to focus in order to achieve your goals. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. And it's... The art that accompanies it isn't bad. It looks, it, it kind of at first glance, you might assume a human drew it. You can kind of tell, like, for one thing, the perspective on the backpack on her back is all fucked up. It's not, like, mm-hmm. actually quite right. Um, you, it might be that her hand is in a pocket, but she might actually just not have a hand. But, like, it doesn't look bad. You, 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 you Especially, again, you're like an overworked parent looking for a book for your kid. It could be way worse,
4: is what you're saying. Yeah, 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 if you're an and if
3: you're just like a parent skimming through these, maybe you you don't catch this right as like something problematic. You just see like, all right, well that one works, and, yeah. and by the standards of AI children's book arc, this this one looks pretty good. Um, and I should say here, if you want to look at the stuff yourself. The text version of this article, of the whole article that we're using as the script for this, will be up uh, as soon as the episodes drop on my substack, uh, Shatter Zone. Just type Shatter Zone substack into Google. It'll be the first article that pops up if you click on that. Uh, it's free to view. You don't have to give me your email or any of that fucking bullshit. Um, and you can see all of the images and find links to everything if you want to, like, track back uh, to the work that I did here. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the best-case scenario for how these these AI kids' books work. The wor- look. The worst case scenario is shown in this video, uh, which has about four hundred and twelve thousand views, by Paul Marles. Now, prior to the AI explosion, Paul he was teaching. He had a bunch of videos teaching people how to like con other folks through Amazon KDP, kind of the old fashioned way, by like hiring ghost writers and shit. Um, His videos had titles like $9,636 from 30 to 60 minutes work, exclamation point, exclamation point. Make money online with KDP low content books. This is like what he's advertising is like these are low content books. You don't have to put anything into them. It's the Uh laziest thing ever. But you can make this weirdly specific number of money if you follow my guides (laughs) Um, and Paul Marles. If you look him up. He has dozens of videos for sale on Amazon. I have reached out to Paul. His uh, one of the ways you can tell this guy's sketchy is he has a website that mm-hmm. like offers all of his different sort of like you know guidebooks and videos and stuff for people who want to follow him in this grift. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has no contact info. I did like send him a message on his Facebook, which I don't think he will check. But you know, I did reach out, Paul. Um, I don't like Paul. Uh, I think he he has a face in need of a fist here. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not using that kind of language in the article that I've written because I, I, I want to seem like an objective journalist. But sure, sure. as you'll see when we play a clip from this guy's video, he's pretty immediately off-putting. Now, Paul ups the ante on laziness here by cutting out the text entirely um, and instead generating a children's coloring book that he hopes will SEO well because it's about <laughs> dinosaurs and turn a profit. It's even lazier, right? That's what Paul yeah. is. Is like, this is already a lazy grift. Paul's going to make it lazy. Here. fuck all that text we don't need a story like we don't need to use chat gpt we'll just we'll we'll we'll, we'll make a a coloring book uh. super easy um and you may think a coloring book would be less problematic than some of this other shit we've seen I yeah. assure you it's not. Uh so he he enters this very half-assed prompt where he misspells the name of a dinosaur. He the prompt is just like coloring page for kids, Ty- Tyrannosaurus Rex in a jungle, and he he doesn't spell it right. And I'm gonna, I'm going to have Sophie play this guy uh Ooh. describing how he he generates the images for his uh his coloring book. Uh and maybe then you'll hate him as much as I do.
6: Enter what we want our image to be of now i'm going to do a dinosaur coloring book that doesn't mean to say you need to go out and do a dinosaur coloring book you can use this method to create any number of different types of coloring book that you want so i'm going to put in tyrannosaurus rex in a jungle the next instruction is going to be what sort of style and we're going to put in cartoon style then i'm just going to tell it how i want the lines and i want this with thick lines Low detail and no shading. Now put in no shading, but you'll find that it probably will create some images with some element of shading. The next is we need to put two minus signs and then AR for aspect ratio. So we're just going to put in 9, 11, and then we hit oh, nice, nice, enter. Nice, and nice. we can see yeah. here it's starting to create the images.
3: Okay, so stop it, Sophie. Because now I want to talk. I, w- I want to talk about these images. First, I want to say you'll note he's like we don't want there to be shading because you know mm. if there's shading in a thing that you're supposed to color in, it like fucks up. You can't like color in shading very well. But he's like, sure. there will be shading, but like whatever. Who gives a shit? You know, we don't care anything about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, Sophie is going to show you. These are the images that he generates with that prompt. Take mm-hmm. a good look at these dinosaurs. Can you can you tell me anything that's wrong with these Tyrannosaurus rexes? Oh, sure. They're not T-Rexes. No, they're not at all (laughs) T-Rexes. One of them is a quadruped. Uh, It clearly has four legs, but like a a T-Rex head on this like weird stump of a body. Mm. Another one, the T-Rex has like human muscle arms. And um, thumbs. And thumbs. (laughs) One of them, the one on the bottom left, like not only is the bottom jaw twisted away from the top jaw, but if you notice, it's front arm is actually its back leg. The back of its Mm -hmm. body is merged with a tree and then like there's Maybe two other sort of half-formed limbs there, and then the bottom right one. Like these, t- I cannot exaggerate to you. Like go, go to Shatterzone Substack. Look at these fucking T Rexes. These are so such fucked up, janky Tyrannosauruses. Mm. Like it is offensive to me how shitty these T Rexes look. Yeah. Um.
4: The the human yeah. hands are very funny. Yeah.
3: The human hands on yeah. the bottom one is pretty great. I do like how uh, in the top one, like mid-journey's almost done like a. Rob Leefield thing where, like, it can't figure out the feet, <laughs> so the feet. it just hides them. <laughs> so, hey, maybe AI has at least reached Leefieldian levels of like uh, illustrative potential. Tight, um, yeah, they
5: need, they need, um, never explained belts of no. uh, ambiguous cartridges, right? Right around the, <laughs> the yeah. waist. Yeah, uh, like,
3: also, you know what? If that, we're being positive, that's going to be another two iterations. Guys.
5: Yeah, a, a T Rex mm-hmm. with human hands that would have helped him out. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: They, they would maybe they would have been around, right? Uh, you know, if the T Rex had developed the fucking uh, handgun, mm-hmm. you know, they could have fought off those fucking asteroids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, I you know when you say that, I think about a much better Tyrannosaur drawing. Uh, Bill Watterson's classic Tyrannosaurs and F Fourteens. Still one of like the highlights of my childhood. Um, that part of why I'm so offended by this coloring book is that like the best parts Mm -hmm. of my childhood all involved dinosaurs and he is just he Uh. understands that that kids are magnetically drawn to dinosaurs always have been and always will be forevermore Um, Mm -hmm. and so that he's Mm -hmm. grifting off that by providing like it, he, he just he doesn't even care enough to make sure that they look vaguely right like any kid kids know more about dinosaurs than paleontologists any child is going to point out that these are fucked up looking t-rexes mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so Paul's guide after this kind of goes through how you lay out your coloring book to publication how you cobble together a cover you know what kind of things you need so that it'll it'll get through Amazon sensors and they'll let you upload it to like not just to like cuz it's a coloring book obviously you need physical copies um and you can if you upload it right Amazon will just like print and sell the books for you the actual like physical books and again this gets to what i worry about is that like parents who o- fall for these books are going to be You know, overworked, they're not going to be focusing on these books as much as their kids are, right? They're just like, I want to get a a dinosaur coloring book for my kid or whatever. They need a coloring book. Oh, this is what, like, popped up on Amazon. The cover looks fine. Um, I am also worried, particularly what scares me, it's both, like, parents who don't have a lot of time. They're going for whatever is affordable. And also, there's a lot of charities that provide poor kids with free books. And they do bulk Uh. orders from places like Amazon that might get tricked by this kind of thing and so the thing that like the the vision i can't get out of my head is this like frightening ai future in which like rich kids get to color in proper dinosaurs from like coloring books that human beings drew and poor kids grow up thinking stegosaurs had no tail and the earth used to have like a second moon that looked like a nipple which is another look at this image here look at this fucking picture that, that it it drew for mm, mm. that some kid some kids gonna get this so oh! some kids gonna get this fucking coloring book look at this fucking thing that's not a stegosaurus I don't even know it's got like spikes coming out of like 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 actual like porcupine quills coming out of like the spikes lines on its back and like it doesn't have a tail there's like five well, legs and the perspective's wrong and then like the world behind sp- it look like yeah yeah it's bad it, it, yeah it's got spikes
4: on like
5: the left tint. uh the left hind leg
4: yeah
3: yeah it's like fucked up it's like super it fucked is, up what like is, but what is, what, it's very bad yeah, I, I, I hate this shit. And, like, the again, that's what's unsettling. Like, there will always be high-quality dinosaur coloring books and storybooks and stuff for kids, and because they're made by humans, they'll command a premium price. Uh, so, like, the poor kids will grow optimistic. up thinking that, like, T-Rex t- t- is... Yeah, I, I don't know, you know. It, I, I find it fucked up. Um, and mm. maybe it'll be even bleaker than that, and nobody will get good children's books, but... This is kind of like where I, what I'm suspecting is at least the first thing that's going to happen is that like the kids who start getting shafted with this low quality, unsettling, brain poisoning AI crap are like the kids who don't have as much money, you know, or whose parents don't have as much money, whose school districts don't have as as much money. Now, a cursory search on Amazon suggests that a lot of people have followed Paul's advice because there are a shitload of nearly identical coloring books. So, first off, Ben, this is the uh, cover of Paul's book here. You can see the dinosaur coloring book you know pretty simple and that he, he did pick for the front cover the image that's like least fucked up looking like that almost looks right right um, uh-huh. uh, but then i found as i started looking through amazon several near identical copies all sold under different names um and you can tell they're all ai copies because like so this first one here Uh, the arms are fucked up like they're in the position kind of like that one on the on the left is almost like set up like a leg Um, and they're both bent down so you don't actually see the claws you can tell the perspectives fucked up though Um, that's by jared mason Uh, or it's not because like paul and other people talk about how you you just create (laughs) fake names to write these books under these could all be paul they could all be people following paul's advice we don't know Here's another book wow. where like what the fuck dinosaur is that supposed to be? That is that is like so again folks you really owe it what to is, yourself to wait, look at this sorry, shit on I'm the article. I'm sorry. Yeah.
4: what it is, what are the like le- again, the arm it's not, leg it's
3: situation. A tripod like it's got like yeah. the body of a dog but like three legs, uh a T-Rex head and an arm that's not an arm. Like it's a, it, it's an arm that looks like yeah. this it looks like this animal was like a civil war veteran who got Yeah, I was going to
5: say
4: amputated. <laughs> like This
5: guy's been through some shit. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, and he's
3: still and it, uh Wow. And it's it, it it's it shows how lazy these people are that like anyone seeing that should be like that's not a dinosaur. That doesn't look right at oh, all. Good, what the fuck is more. happening here? Yeah. Oh, good. There's more. And then this oh, last this one. Is, this is a oh, higher yeah. age range. Look at that claw. Yeah, the, look at how the claws are like... The same it, it's, size it's, as the it, face. Its fingers are like as long as its head. It's like fucking salad fingers. The dinosaur. <laughs>
4: it's so yeah, fucking off-putting and here? weird. I like it's the... mm
3: incredible.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it's the nihilism. So I like yeah. the... There's something like... V- there's something very herzog about the way the (laughs) eyes are rolled up
3: yeah i love it so despite featuring easily the worst dinosaur drawing i've ever seen in my life this coloring book appears to be selling reasonably well at the time this article was written it was number 75 in the teen and young adult drawing category that's potentially decent money that's not low on amazon Mm -hmm. now that is like in the teen and young adult drawing category it's not like a massive category but like that's there are human coloring books that are selling worse than this i will guarantee you and that's potentially meaningful money for this person uh i use the term person lightly for whoever is like shitting this stuff maybe it's all paul maybe it's all people copying him but like this is already a problem is what i'm getting at because it's like this isn't like the worst thing, you know, in a world where, yeah, I don't know, like the Catholic Church exists. Uh fucked up coloring books aren't the worst thing for little kids. But um, like this is uh seriously, I, I don't think it's it's good. Like it, kids pay attention to stuff like this. Like, show it like the 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 sheer for one thing, I think the laziness in this reads off to them, but like it's just it's wrong. Like you shouldn't be shotgunning stuff that's wrong to kids because you're too lazy to like do even the minimum work of ge- regenerating the images until they're right um I find this unsettling and I, I there's a lot more to find unsettling because like part of what I did while researching this was kind of a deep dive on literary education theory because I wanted to have an idea of how some of the stuff is going to affect children but that's gonna be all for part one with us today uh Ben Because, you know, time to take five. Time to take five, do a little bit of a breather, and then Mm. we'll come back on Thursday, uh, and I will finish this deeply fucked up story. Um, uh, Ben, you got anything to plug?
5: uh yes uh please check out and subscribe to cool zone media do your part in supporting uh accurate depictions of dinosaurs for children uh you can also find me hanging with my uh my rider dies Matt Frederick and Noel Brown oh, yeah. on, on on shows like stuff they don't want you to know and ridiculous history uh you can find me Talking trash about MREs and French uh, military rations on Twitter, named it a burst of creativity, at Ben Bolin HSW, or at Instagram, at Ben Bolin. Uh, That's that's the whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Right? No? Good? Oh, yeah. Solid. Excellent.
3: Yeah, uh, I also love a good MRE uh, and a bad MRE. I've I've been making my way through these MREs that Mountain House made, uh, and it's like chili mac, which is devastating (laughs) for your stomach. Just any time you try. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. There's some good ones, though. I got a nice bison uh, stew that I think uh, uh, one of the companies I have made. Yeah, there's some good ones out there. I had some when I was out hunting for a couple of days in the Cascades last year. I had this... Mm. uh, this freeze dried uh biscuits and gravy that actually fucked unreasonably hard did you uh did you
5: ever get done with all that mac and cheese you said no. something of oh. <laughs> no no
3: i still have a ton of it i have a couple <laughs> of years worth of dried food at any given time just in case i have to hole up in my house you know uh, uh firing wildly at trespassers uh in a the road style situation oh okay yeah um, rip cormac
4: um, I uh, we also would like to plug the newest cool Zone media series Sad Oligar hosted by Jake mm-hmm. Inerhan uh, available on all the things. Uh, Robert, do you want to give that link for where people can follow your Substack one more time?
3: Hell yeah. Uh, it's Shatterzone. So just go to shatterzone.substack.com uh, and you will you will find my thing. You you don't have to you don't have to sign up or anything. It's Sweet. free. You're good. Tight. Bye. Shabamzo.
4: Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too.